those of you that were here last week, last week was a little bit of a heavier message. Um, talked about the value of life. It was good. It was good. It was good. It was something that was needed. It was necessary. Quentin. I was so proud of you that you put that article in the hitting paper. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, I just, as I mentioned last week, I think as a church, as Christians, as believers, I think we have been quiet too long about topics such as abortion and homosexuality, these, these controversial, sensitive topics too long, that that's why we find ourselves in the situation we do today. Um, and it's time that we start to take a stand and, and to let our voice be heard. And, and as I mentioned last week, it's not letting our voice be heard, it's letting God's word speak. Amen. It's letting scripture do the talking. And so last week it was it was a little bit of a, a heavy message as we look at the value of life through the lens of God's interaction with unborn children on a number of different occasions through scripture. All of it looking at what scripture shares about the value of life and how truly valuable life is. Talking about how every second of life matters in response to everything that has been going on these last few weeks, right? From, from the RHA legislation that was passed in New York a few weeks ago to the legislation that, that barely failed in Virginia this last week that deals with abortion. But this morning, I want to take some time and talk a little bit about one of the more important things that I think we need to remember in the midst of all the turmoil, in the midst of all of the chaos and everything that's going on right now. And that's that God's love for us should compel us to love others, including those that have different beliefs and different ideas than we do. God's love for us, the way that he loves us, the love and compassion that God shows us, should compel us to love others, including those who have different ideas, including those that have different beliefs, than we do. So that means that those who stand on the other side of our ideologies, those that stand on the other side of what we see as right or wrong, we still have to find a way to say, you know what? In my heart, I find a way to love that person. I find a way to allow the love of Christ in me to love them. And so this morning, the title of my message is Loved to Love. Why? Because God loves us. Because of the love that God shows us, we allow the love of God to work through us and love other people. And so this morning, if you've got your Bible, I want to encourage you, you can go ahead and turn to 1 John chapter 4. That's where most of our scripture is going to be coming out of this morning. As always, it'll be on the screen behind me as well, so you'll be able to follow along in that way as well. But first I want to share a story with you that I recently read. It'll help get us started in the right direction. So here's the story I recently read. He said, I have a friend named Ron who is one of the manliest dudes I know. 
Ron served in the army, spent 13 years as a missionary to Russia and Belgium, lived in Saddam Hussein's palace in Iraq after the U.S. overthrew their government, and I got a chance to work with Ron in Houston. Well, a few years back, I took some students to the middle of nowhere, Texas, and invited Ron to come along to camp, hang out, and share some stories. Ron took us out into the middle of the woods with compasses and taught us the basics in orienting and reading maps. Earlier, he had set up some prizes in different parts of the property. We plotted out our steps, we followed the maps, and we used our compasses to try and find the different prizes that he had placed around the property. Here's what Ron taught me. Simply going in the right direction isn't enough. We have to be precise in order to get where we want to go. We have to be precise in order to get where we want to go. With the preciseness of using a compass in mind, we want the way we love each other to have the same level of attention. If we're going to love each other the way God desires, we need to be very clear on what love actually is. Right? I thought about bringing a compass up here this morning and wearing it as just kind of a reminder or an illustration this morning throughout the message to just keep thinking. Not only do we need to be heading in the right direction that God is calling us to and following Him, but also we need to be doing precisely what God is asking each of us to do. And that is to love one another. Love one another. John understands this perfectly. And he gets it, uh, he's, gets it right. And it's extremely important. And that is why he teaches us this truth. When we embrace God's perfect love in this way, it transforms us. And that love does a work in us, and as a result, it helps us to love other people well. Put it a different way, this is kind of the key note of what everything we're going to talk about this morning is. The love we receive from God should foster in us a love for people. The love that you and I receive from God should foster in us a love for people. This is what it says in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. To summarize, the love we receive from God should foster in us a love for people. So here's the tension. I realize... That when I talk about love, it can bring out a wide array of emotions. While we can use the same word love, it can, have, it can mean many different things to many of us in this room. I can say the word love and it can mean one thing to me, and it can mean something totally different to you. For some of you, thinking about love causes you to feel safe. Because in your home, love it is something that has been cherished. Love is something that has been shown. Love is something that has been displayed. And it's, it's been an example that has always been there for you. Maybe it, your, 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 your home life hasn't always been perfect. But love has always been a part of your family. Because of that, you've seen authentic love. 
And it brings a sense of security to you when you hear the word love. You've always been able to work through the different challenges that come through the difficulties of life. For other of you, when you hear the word love, it's a fantasy of what could be, of I wish, what could be when it comes to the word love. There's a special person who's going to come into your life who will win your heart, and you'll both live happily ever after, right? That fairy tale idea of if only this could happen. Still, for some of you, you sit in here and when you hear the word love, it brings up hurtful thoughts. Even harmful thoughts come to your mind. Because maybe in the past, someone who should have loved you hurt you. Maybe you've been taken advantage of by someone that was supposed to love you. Someone that was supposed to take care of you. Someone that should have loved you. Or maybe someone in your life used love to manipulate you and take advantage of you. So love can mean different things to all kinds of people when we hear that word. So this morning we need to define what is love. What does love mean when we talk about love from God? So if we're going to be clear on what God wants us to do in regard to the way that we love one another, we need to make sure that our definition of love it's the same as what John was talking about in this passage in 1 John chapter 4. So in the first section of, of 1 John, John provides a very clear picture as to how God defines love. Here's why this is important. When we are able to understand the truth about how God defines love and embraces that love, we will be able to have discernment about who we follow and we will be able to love others in a way that's genuine, a way that's real. That is exciting because we know that the truth, that the love we receive from God fosters in us a love for other people. So as we dive into God's word today, in the following verses, John gives us three characteristics of how, God's, how God defines love. He gives us examples as to how we see these characteristics in the life of Jesus and points us towards how we should respond. So number one, how does God define love? Number one, love sacrifices. Love sacrifices. The first thing that John teaches us is that it sacrifices. Look at verses 9 through 11, which read, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. John starts by giving us his best illustration here. Nothing illustrates what love is better than what Jesus did by coming to earth and dying upon the cross. The Bible teaches us, right? It says that we have all sinned, right? We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. So now we throw the word sin around a lot in church. And so I think it's important that we really define what we mean when we talk about sin. Sin is the act of rebellion against God, His plan against creation, right? Sin is missing the mark. When God created all things, 
He created it in a way that is orderly. There is a way he designed all things to operate. When we rebel against God's order in the Bible, it's called sin. When we're walking in sin and we're outside of a relationship with God, the Bible says that we are dead in our sins, dead in our trespasses. In another place, it says that we are enemies from God. But now let's pause there for a second. The idea that we're sinners and at odds with our God and our Creator is not unique to Christianity. Many other worldviews and religions also believe this exact same thing. However, their beliefs are that it's each person's responsibility to restore their relationship with God. What separates Christianity from every other worldview is that we read in verse 10, which I'm going to read again. It says, In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Some of you are sitting there going, what in the world does the word propitiation mean? What, what, it's a churchy term. What is Christianese? What does that mean? The word propitiation is a strong biblical word, and, and it can really be intimidating, but put simply, John is saying, Jesus paid for our sins. He paid the debt for our sins, and he took God's wrath upon himself. The wrath that God had towards us for our sins, Jesus took upon himself on the cross. He paid for our sins, took God's wrath upon himself. See, other worldviews believe that, that we have to do works to have a right relationship with God, but the Bible teaches us, no, Jesus took God's wrath upon himself on the cross and paid for our sins. Right? In the Gospel of John, John 3.16 it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that we might be saved through him. Not saved by works, saved through him. Jesus teaches us that unless we believe in him, we stand condemned. But when we believe in Jesus, we can spend eternity with him in heaven. That is what we call the gospel. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel is an amazing thing. And again, if you look at verse 11, he shares what our response should be. It says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. John again tells us, that, we, that love we receive from God should foster in us a love for other people. If we embrace the love of God personally, we should love others sacrificially in the same way Jesus loved us. So love not only sacrifices, but it also abides. Let us take a look at verses 12 and 13 where it reads, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. So number two, love abides. The second characteristic we see of God's authentic love is that he abides in us. The word abide means that he stands with us. John teaches us that when we follow God and love others, we're doing what God does. It's, re it's really a call for us to be in unity with God. To be in one with God. I want you to think about abiding 
with God in this way. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, right, you're doing what Jesus does. John teaches us that the way that we have the ability to do what Jesus does is because of the Holy Spirit is working in and through us. That's how we have the ability to abide with God is because he sent the Holy Spirit to live and abide in us. Because the Holy Spirit dwells in us, as we are temples of the Holy Spirit, we're able to abide and do as God asks us to do. You see, when we walk, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we can be intimidated because we don't really know what to do with Him sometimes. Sometimes people want, what, what, what do we do with the Holy Spirit? Sometimes people think He's like that crazy relative in the family, right? Well, there's, there's, there's many different roles in the life of a Christian. And I want to share two things that I think are important for us to consider when it comes to the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. Number one, the Holy Spirit guides us. John 16, 13 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you in all into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but ever, whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you all the things that are to come. It is, it is so comforting for me to know that God will send His Holy Spirit to live in us, to guide us. As we walk about, as we talk about walking in the truth and having discernment, knowing that the Holy Spirit works is incredibly important to us as believers. The more we abide with God through prayer and fasting and Bible study, the better we're able to remove the distractions from our lives to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and minds. Second thing the Holy Spirit does is He empowers us. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the Holy Spirit does, is he, he resides in us to empower us. When we feel fear, the Holy Spirit literally gives us a boldness. When we would normally shrink, the Holy Spirit fills us and He bolds us. He gives us a power to speak. And while there's so much more that the Holy Spirit does for us in our lives, we can be confident in knowing that we are never alone. When we are walking in the light, we can know that God is for us and with us, for He abides in us through the work of the Holy Spirit. As believers... When John calls us to love one another, he is calling us to walk in unity, not only with God, he's calling us to walk in unity with one another. John says in verse 16 that when God abides in us, his love is perfected in us. If we have, um, have all been changed by God's love, and we are all walking in the same direction, we can have a unity that reflects God himself. This is good stuff. Let's keep reading as, as, as we're getting towards the end of this passage. The third characteristic that John talks about is that love secures us. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So in light of everything we've been talking about this morning, I want you to consider this one amazing truth. The gospel shows us that we belong because we've been bought, not because we behave. Let me repeat that. We belong because we've been bought, 
not because we behave. In other words, our standing with God didn't change because we were good enough to follow God, or even that God found us as useful. God chose us, He pursued us, and He bought us. The act of divine love is called grace, and grace is what transforms us. Ephesians 2, 8-9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. When we repent of our sin and believe in Jesus as God's Son and our Lord and Savior, the Bible says that we are sealed and that nothing can separate us from God's love. We don't have to fear repercussions for when we fail. Instead, we can rest in God's grace. When we understand this love that God has for us, it also takes the pressure off us in our relationship with others. That we don't have anything to prove. Rather, we can rest in knowing that we are enough for God. That if we're enough for God, that we are enough for each other. Right? If God sees us as good enough, why do we think that we have to be good enough for each other? If we are good enough for the one who created us, why do we think we have to be good enough for somebody else? We can walk in freedom knowing that we are fully loved by God, and as a result, we can love others genuinely as well. We can do this because we understand this truth, that the love we receive from God fosters in us a love for other people. So what does God's love look like? Number one, God's love sacrifices. Love sacrifices. Number two, his love abides. And number three, his love secures. So as we wrap up this morning, we get ready to conclude, I want you to imagine what would it look like if our entire church bought into this idea, what would it look like? If we bought into this idea of saying, you know what? I understand that the love that, that God has shown me, and I understand who I am in Him, so now I understand the love that, that I ought to have for others, what kind of an impact do we have on our, the, the rest of, of, of our congregation, on the rest of our community? What kind of an impact do we have on those around us? We would have a place where people could come and people could be authentic. I'm not saying that, that, that people aren't authentic right now. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, that I believe we have a church that's full of a bunch of phonies. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying there's times where, where I think some of us, maybe we struggle to say, you know what, I don't know that I can always be fully authentic. I don't know that I can always be fully genuine. I, I feel like sometimes maybe I have to have a guard up because I don't know what other people are going to think. I don't know what other people are going to say. 
because I'm worried about what they're going to think. But what if we said, you know what, we're, we're going to allow love to cover those things. Because we, we understand that the love that we receive from God fosters in us a love for other people. You wouldn't have to feel the need to be good enough to prove yourself to anyone else. You would be able to be fully known and to be fully loved. What an amazing idea, right? To be able to be fully loved. Right? I think all of us sitting here are going, you know what? That would be pretty awesome. If I could have the worship team come back up at this point. I believe that this is what God wants for us. He loved us so that we can love one another authentically. And as a result, that we could be a light to the world all around us. So the worship team, they're going to lead us through a song, and we're going to have a, a time of prayer and a response time. But I believe that as we talked about this morning, part of it is, is as God abides in us, there's part of it is about walking in unity. And it's hard for us to sit here and go, you know what, we, we need to walk in unity outside of our church when we struggle to walk in unity within our church. So this morning, part of what I, I want us to pray about is you know what? Maybe we're sitting here going, you know what? There, there's some, some stuff going on that, that we need to just say, you know what? It's time for us to just be honest. It's time for us to say, you know what? It's time for us to, to say, I need to just come to the Lord in prayer and say, you know what? There's, there are things that I need to just, I need to lay at the altar and say, enough is enough. If we're believing that God is going to truly use our church in a mighty way in this community to impact the lost around us, the world around us. We need to be in unity here as a congregation, as believers. And I'm not calling out any individuals. I'm not calling out any one person. I'm just saying, I believe that if, if, if we, we need to, as a body, be in one accord. We need to be healthy. If we're truly believing that God is going to use us in a great way in our community, we need to be healthy. And so this morning, I'm believing that this is one way that God is preparing us. This is one way that God is getting us ready. It is for us to say, you know what, this is maybe a time of healing. Maybe this is a time of preparation. Of us to say, you know what, God, we received your love, and it's time for us to start fostering that love amongst our own congregation amongst our own body. And so this morning, as, as myself and a few of our leaders will be up here, just want to encourage you to come forward. Maybe if there's something that, that you've been just struggling with, maybe within our own body, whether it's something that you've been holding against someone, whether it's something that you've been just, just struggling with this morning, I want to encourage you this morning, maybe it's time to say, you know what, I need to let that go. It's time for me to just, just lay that down and say enough is enough. Uh, and, and so this morning, we're, I want to encourage you for that. But also, as always, if you need prayer for anything else, anything else, a like healing or whatever it may be, I want to encourage you to come forward for that. The altars are open. You can come find a spot by yourself as well.